0: Welcome to Viewpoints listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome back after a bit of a break uh, from Viewpoints, Melinda Tankard-Reist, an Australian writer, speaker, blogger and media commentator and self-described as an advocate for women and girls. Welcome again to Viewpoints, Melinda. Good to be back, Henry. Thanks for having me. Yes, oh, it's, it's a pleasure. And as I said to you our I met you some years ago at a principal's conference in, uh, in Queensland and I was very impressed with your work there. Um, a few years down the track from that first interview, I pick up papers and I'm reading about um, these LOL surprise dolls. And the first thought that came to my mind was, are we making any progress from your perspective? Tell us about mm-hmm. those dolls and what we're, are we making progress?
1: Well, look, I believe we are. collective shout for a world free of exploitation is 10 years old this year and we have had multiple victories against major corporations in Australia and globally. The fact that the harms of sexualising children, the harms of of pornography, porn culture are recognised now in a way they weren't when I first started working in this field, I think is also a victory. You've mentioned these LOL surprise dolls. We've just had Kmart, Big W and Target all in a row pull those dolls as a result of the complaints of our supporters in Australia. And, you know, I take the point of your question, and there are some days where you wonder, (laughs) however, However, I, I have to believe we're making progress and I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, we just had so many wins. We, before the wins with the LOL Surprise uh, dolls, we had a major victory against one of the top 10 wealthiest corporates in the world, Alibaba, which was selling child sexual abuse dolls. So replica children, replica infants and toddlers to abuse. Uh, there's a massive market for that. And we got Alibaba to pull them all from their platform. So, I do believe we are making progress, even though we still have to remain vigilant.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, and um, I, I would agree. With you. The fact that um, you can have them pulled from those shelves so quickly shows is, uh, there is that. Um, well, that it was a one-week
1: campaign, mm. and you know, Thursday we had a response from Big W saying they were the pulling the doll's, then uh, Friday was Kmart, and then Monday was Target. So it was pretty quick t- turn around.
0: Mm, and congratulations uh, on that. Um, I was reading some of the psychology behind some of these gifts and these um, unboxing surprise gifts is is a mm. is a, a a very powerful way of um, enticing kids to uh, to open a box.
1: Well, that's right. It's a surprise. That's why they're called the LOL surprise dolls. Uh, The surprise many parents got was when they dipped the dolls in water, it revealed um, lingerie, fishnet stockings, uh, adult clothing, you know, lingerie, fetishized lingerie clothing for babies, essentially. And that, while a lot of kids love the surprise element, uh, we need it to be uh, an appropriate surprise and a safe surprise and not a surprise that would... Uh, tell little girls, especially, that this is a pr- appropriate. Uh, that socialises them to think that um, dressing this way, you know, acting in sexed-up ways, uh, attracting attention is is uh, appropriate, you know, behaviour for for children. And that's something we've been fighting for for ten years now.
0: Yes, and look from uh, the male perspective, um, Melinda. I think uh, it it it's bad for young boys too, very much so, because it reinforces the sort of things I would think that um, the objectification as women and girls as sex objects, which is which is toxic, it's toxic for men too.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of work, a lot of our work does involve men and boys. And before COVID, I was addressing a large number of young men in schools around the country. I had a whole year of it, another year of it planned out. But, yes, it's bad for boys, too, because they get uh, limited and stereotyped ideas about girls, about women, about their bodies, about relationships, about sexuality, about what women and girls are good for. And, you know, a sexist culture grooms sexist boys. It's as simple as that. And when boys get a message from the moment they're born that, uh, you know, girls are up for grabs and that they are entitled to to do what they want. Well, is it any wonder that we're, we've got the problems that we have currently? So we've always argued that we can't address the problems that we have, including domestic violence, without addressing the attitudes which are formed very early in boys' lives, which then go on to shape behaviours. Mm. So yeah, you've made a very good point there, Henry.
0: Mm, think, yeah, well, I think, look, it's it's one where, well, in general, um, I mean, as a school principal, there's many things we come across and one of them that's, mm. that's sadly far too prevalent is um, family violence and the consequences yeah. of that. And we've got to be working as a team. Men have to be working with, with, mm. with women on it. It, it's, it. it can't be a battleground if we're going to make progress. Now, I was going through your history. You were born in Mildura, Victoria, not, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and you've had quite a fascinating career development to the point where now you're, you're uh, an extremely influential and high-profile advocate for women and girls. Um, looking back those days in Mildura. Ah, you started off, you had a fascination with um, with, with, with motorbikes and horses and here you are yes. now on a different yes. stage uh, looking through that journey. Um, what mm. stands out for you?
1: Well, it was a very uh, formative experience growing up in a, a country town. I had the privilege of you know, getting a job with the local newspaper and I worked in journalism for some time, and I, I noticed things. You know, I noticed the mistreatment of women and girls in my community. I noticed Indigenous women turning up to my family's farm with black eyes from from their uh, white uh, male husbands. I noticed that girls being taken out of school early for early marriage. One of the first stories I did in my hometown was of the opening of the first women's refuge in Mildura, and I interviewed survivors of domestic violence and I, you know, it really affected me to to learn about the, the, the real lives of real women. I then travelled, I was awarded a scholarship to study journalism in the, the US and uh, that led to a number of years of, of travelling and, and seeing the way women were treated around the world and then came back to Australia and ended up working in politics for a while and then founded Collective Shout and felt that. You know, we needed a movement against objectification, sexualization, uh, porn, porn culture, trafficking, and violence against uh, women. So I've always had that sort of activist leaning from quite a young young age. I'm also thankful for my country upbringing, the freedom that I had, you know, the horses you mentioned, motorbikes. Mm. I could disappear for a whole day with my girlfriends on our horses, and we didn't have mobile phones back then, Uh and no one ever worried about us. A lot of freedom growing up on a seventy-acre property, and I'm grateful for that because I, I think it gave me a lot of independence, and I was able to take risks and, you know, know what I was capable of. So I'm I'm really grateful for that that formative growing up environment.
0: And uh, while you're talking, I was thinking. Uh, um, well, I'm this. I'm a migrant child from Europe. Uh, we grew wow. up in Gippsland, Warrigal, and I used to love going out in the hills. It's very pretty down there, and on foggy oh, yeah. mornings, I could disappear from the whole world. And it's uh, yeah. a sense of it's a sense of freedom, isn't it? And uh, yes, it sure is. And we need it. And too much of this, uh, what we're doing now, takes away that freedom from people's well, minds. Well, it
1: certainly does. It certainly does, and I encourage you know I've got three daughters and a son, and I've really encouraged you know being outdoors and outdoor play, hiking, adventure, you know taking risks. Our kids are spending so much time in front of uh, screens now deforming their healthy natural development, um, they're missing out on so many things. That's, that's another problem that parents are having to contend with.
0: Mm, Covid nineteen certainly put some of those issues yeah. at the very pointy end of um well of our lives we take a short break melinda can you hold the line of course welcome back to viewpoints this is i'm your host henry Grossinger. i'm in to discussion with melinda tankard reese uh, our topic has been the sexualization of children through those lol dolls but we're covering much more than that welcome back melinda Thanks again. Melinda, um, I was reading a paper that was written and uh, my field of education drew me to this. Teachers struggle to deal with primary schoolers exhibiting inappropriate sexual behaviour. Um, it's splashed over into schools in all sorts of ways. I'm sure you're familiar with that.
1: Yes, I, I sadly am. In fact, one of the reasons that I get asked to, to speak in schools is because of inappropriate sexual behaviour in the school ground, uh, we're seeing even primary level children acting out sexually on other children, becoming predatory, becoming stalkerish, demanding sexual acts, even in the school ground. We're seeing even young boys asking, asking girls for naked selfies, nude, nude images, uh, touching them inappropriately and thinking that this is appropriate because they've seen it. We're... <laughs> We've socialised our boys to think this behaviour is, is OK and schools are really struggling to, to deal with this. Um, again, it shows why we need a whole-of-community approach to address the way that uh, pornography is socialising our boys, especially, in, in harmful ways. I uh, hear so many examples of kids coming across porn when they were searching, even innocent search terms, when they were playing, you know, kids' games... Um, and and coming across it, and, and even if not deliberately searching for it, or other kids showing it to them at, at school, uh, we've seen a quadrupling of child-on-child sex, sexual abuse in Australia, and that is the case. As we know, of course, it would be terribly underreported. So yes, sadly, we we are seeing a rise of this. We've documented this in our submissions, which can be found on our collective shout- our website, including uh, the, the recent one on uh, harms to to children of, of pornography uh, if
0: anyone wants to see the research it's pretty solid mm. and and of course that that um, and it's in that piece it raises the problematic uh, question of the difference between sexual abuse and imitation certainly in schools mm. we we have mandatory mm. reporting and uh, yeah. they're not they're not completely unrelated either are they
1: no and in fact uh, i I heard uh, Joe Tucci from the Australian Childhood Foundation say a few years ago that that in the past, if they had a child presenting with problematic sexual behaviour, they would look for signs of abuse of Mm. that child uh, and the child's family history and the child's background. Now, he says, uh, that isn't actually a given anymore. Now, uh, a child can act out in these ways, even if they haven't directly been abused themselves because of what they're being exposed to. So we don't even have, I think, um, the, for want of a better word, luxury of just putting this down to sort of natural curiosity. Uh, I think now every case of this type of behaviour has to has to be reported mm. and investigated uh, because we don't know what the child might have been exposed to. And Frida Briggs did a lot of work on this as well, the late Frida Briggs mm. uh, you know, looking at why we were seeing this this rise of inappropriate behaviour and why we just couldn't assume anymore that it's just childish curiosity. That's tragically.
0: True. and and of course I know from our experience in schools, um, when when we get caught up with a, a, an issue like this, the untangling of where it's coming from is not necessarily, you can't always work it out, and of course that then has no. implications for how you deal with it, which. That's right. It doesn't help uh, finding solutions uh, uh, at all either. No, that's so right. I know that's teachers right. are struggling with that one. Now, you mentioned mm. the Collective Shout for a World Free of Sexploitation, of which you mm. co founded in 2009, 11 years ago. Um, yes. Tell us a bit about that organisation.
1: Collective Shout came about as a result of my third book called Getting Real Challenging the Sexualization of Girls, which became the biggest selling title for my publisher. Centerfax Press, because it really struck a chord. It was bringing together experts in this field, uh, talking about the harms of sexualizing girls and what we could do about it. Anyway, one of the contributors wrote to me when the book came out and said, your book is a collective shout against the pornification of culture. And that phrase, collective shout, just sort of jumped out at me and I thought, oh, I really like this name, Mm -hmm. this title. I, I think I'll start a movement just to be able to use it. And I reached out to some some women friends that I'd done some campaigning with in the past, and then some other women came forward wanting to be involved. And we officially launched in 2010 when we became uh, an incorporated association. And we've been going strong for those those 10 years. We've got thousands of people involved, empowered to speak out, you know, in the public square to to, to mm. challenge sexualisation at every level of of society. And to say, look, we can't put the vested interest of, of advertisers, marketers, and corporates before the well-being of women and girls and men and boys, of course, yes. the community as, as a whole. And we've got so much to celebrate in, in those 10, 10 years. It's just been an amazing time. Uh, now we've been, you know, asked by major corporates to consult with them as to how they can exercise proper corporate social responsibility. Uh, to be ethical as as companies, and here we are, this sort of small band of people uh, that are now influencing global corporations, and I, I wouldn't have imagined that would happen when we first started out.
0: No. Looking back over those 10 years, obviously, um, if you're a strong voice on anything, uh, you get pushback. We know that from our own work, Um uh, looking at how you're, you've been uh, received in in the work you do. Uh, mm-hmm. Growth in that?
1: Well, you have to turn it to your advantage. You, are, you know, you either sink or swim. And I used to like what the former Prime Minister, Paul Keating, used to say, that uh, the dogs may bark, but the caravan rolls on. And yes, <laughs> you know, we've had a lot of abuse. We've even had um, threats and rape and death threats. And personal abuse, particularly online. But, you know, it means you're being effective, doesn't it? It means mm-hmm. you you must be getting somewhere because there are people and companies and the porn industry, which the sex industry, which all have vested interest in business as usual. So, you know, if there wasn't pushback, perhaps that would mean that we weren't upsetting the boat, you know?
0: That's so true. I've
1: I've tried to work it to our advantage, and just to press on, you know, to press on uh, towards the towards the ultimate goal. But that doesn't mean it's always easy, you know. But um, I've worked sort of really hard to rise above that. Uh, you know, I don't read comments. I don't I don't Google my name, for example. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I just try and just stay stay the course and mm-hmm. uh, and, and not let the the opponents uh, wear me down.
0: No, no, no. You're, you're, you're very courageous and strong and that's very much to be admired. Um, over the course of those, uh, the time of your career and particularly the last 11 years, um, yeah. the internet has certainly become far, far more influential in, in, yeah. in influencing, well, adults, but, but in this case young children. That's sort of been, well, uh, another, another area of which you've had to focus on increasingly as time has passed.
1: Yes, certainly uh, the, the influence of online culture and social media platforms, especially uh, the way that young people are also you know, learning behavior and attitudes and ideas that can be harmful to them. We have a big campaign right now against Instagram. Uh, there are just so many uh, accounts of girls uh, being posed and styled, including underage girls in a way that... Um, is attractive to pedophiles, uh, to predators. Uh, We've exposed hundreds of predators on the accounts of underage girls, uh, trying to chat with them, requesting Mm. naked images, uh, watching their videos and um, literally, you know, apologies in advance, but, you know, live masturbating to to schoolgirls. And this is all on, on Instagram. And we've argued that Instagram has become a predator's playground. That Instagram hasn't done enough to protect uh, young people on its on its platform now while I'm you know critical of those aspects of the big tech you know again we've been able to harness this to our advantage many of our campaigns 99% of our campaigns have won because of social media you know we run our campaign through social media and we get responses through social media so uh, you know, I'm not just sort of you know a knee-jerk critic because I've seen how uh, social media can be used as a platform for good, uh, but um. of course we continue to to fight the harmful aspects of those platforms, particularly to our young.
0: Mm, couldn't agree with you more. Time's got away from us, uh, Melinda. A, a final mm. word to us all out here on on this topic.
1: Well, look, I'd love uh, your listeners to to join up. You know, we need you. We're a small team. We need all the support we can get. People can uh, follow us through our Facebook pages, Collective Shout, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and sign up through our website, shout.org. It's free, and you'll receive our, our newsletters. You'll find out what's going on in your areas, how you can get involved. It's very practical, very easy steps you can take to actually make a difference and bring about social change and cultural transformation for for the good of everybody so we'd, we'd love to get you on board
0: excellent can, can i thank you once again for your time melinda and the great work you're doing in this space
1: henry thanks thanks for the opportunity and uh if i can be of service in future let me know
0: absolutely certainly will it we won't take uh, as many years as we did this time <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you that was melinda tankard um, australian writer speaker blogger and advocate for women and girls we'll take a short break Listeners, don't go away